0: You're listening to Rosie Cole's Vaudeville Broadcast. This program may contain adult content, so if you're under 18, please either get permission or switch it off. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the broadcast. Today I am incredibly lucky to be in the presence of the beautiful Odelia Opium. Um, Odelia, do you want to say a little bit about what you do?
1: I am, well, a performer and a costume maker, designer. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I do perform a style of burlesque that is actually very centred around the costumes I make, basically, (laughs) that inspires me and that's why I do it.
0: When did you first decide that you wanted to go into the world of performance and costume making for performance?
1: um it was not really an active decision it just happened one day how old were you like did you like to play dress up when you were a kid or were you
0: particularly inspired by costumes when you were younger or
1: um yeah kind of but i started making my own costumes very very late like um yeah probably somehow between the age of 16 and 20 is when i when i started making things. Mm-hmm. And what were you making first? Um, well around that time period I was very much into like um, gothic medieval type of clothes and you couldn't <laughs> buy them that much because yeah you couldn't just get on the internet and buy them so um, you would either have to find like a speciality shop that has them but yeah as a teenager you can't afford all the stuff you want so you have to go make it listeners may have detected a slight accent where are you originally from? I am German. Mm. And were you living in a big city in Germany? Or nah, not at all. I'm smooth. from a very 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 small town. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so even harder to get your hands on uh, yes. the type
1: of clothing that you would like? Oh absolutely
0: yeah. So how did you go about the process of beginning to make your own clothes?
1: I think it probably started with um, my, my sister showing me First, how to sew. Yeah, it was a lot of research really, trying to get your hands on books um, that would tell you details about costumes. I guess we have the internet for that now. Exactly, but back then it was so hard getting any information on anything really. So um, I bought one book um, that was terribly hard to find, cost a ridiculous amount of money And was my first um, actual book about um, costume making that had pattern um, diagrams in it. Do you remember what it was called? I still have it. (laughs) Do you still use it? Yes,
0: I still use it. Oh, it's a good investment then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, it's called the evolution of costume, something like that. I don't remember exactly. And yeah, I couldn't even use... the the diagrams because I just didn't know how to back then I didn't know anything about uh, pattern making so but it was just good to have it you know to look at the patterns and how it all works and slowly start understanding them but yeah I couldn't actually use it at the time Mm
0: -hmm. how did you go from having this book that you didn't know what to do (laughs) (laughs) with to actually beginning to make your clothes was it trial and error absolutely (laughs) yeah
1: trial and error just like cutting up loads of fabric yep. and stitching bits <laughs> together, and absolutely, yeah. I'm glad that there isn't that many pictures of me left from that time because I I usually looked horrible <laughs> <So>. <laughs> in my homemade clothes.
0: <laughs> but did you did you find yourself getting confident with it at any point?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, you progress and you you learn from every every time you do something horrible. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> I left school and I went into fashion school straight away.
0: So, when you were at school, when you started making your own clothes, that was the sort of inspiring moment. You were like, "Yeah, I want to go to fashion school."
1: Um, well, basically, I wanted to um, I wanted to study costume design, but um, it was just not available where I lived. Okay. So. Um, there weren't many schools offering this, so I would have to like move away to a larger town like Berlin or Hamburg, something like that. And I was completely unwilling to do that. How come? Um I just I'm I'm not really a, a an outgoing person or a people person. Um I don't find it easy to adapt to new surroundings, so I didn't like the idea of going anywhere on my own, really. <laughs> oh,
0: where did your sister
1: study? Uh, she studied in, um, at the University of Münster.
0: Okay, so, so was that close to you?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, quite close. I, I basically only started fashion design because I was unable to go anywhere to do costume design. Mm-hmm. And how did you find fashion school? Awful! <laughs> I actually hated it. Oh no! <laughs> it was terrible um, because, well, I hated the people who went to fashion school. <laughs> and they usually they looked like train wrecks. In the morning, when you when you arrived at the station and you would make your way to the actual campus, you could tell which people were going to fashion school because they looked terrible. <laughs> they looked like a car crash. So <laughs> I really didn't like the people who went to fashion school, and I really didn't like fashion school very much. What were the classes like? Um, Unfortunately, um, the one that I went to, the, the campus was a design campus, so that means it was not only fashion, it was also for graphic design and photography. And so, because this was all basically located in the same building, uh, it was so easy for them to send you to, to doing all these crossover classes. So I had to study photography as well. And I had to do lots and lots of graphics classes.
0: Have you found any of that coming useful now at all? Any mm. of the things you learned? or Not really, no. <laughs>
1: I I didn't think the education I got there was very helpful at all.
0: Did it teach you anything about making, though? Because you're an amazing maker. I'm sitting in your studio, surrounded by all these beautiful costume pieces, so well made. So how did how did you get that that expertise? Did they teach you anything about making at fashion school?
1: Yeah, they did, but not that much, basically, because uh, they just didn't have the time to do that. So. Um, yeah, they, they didn't have that many teachers available, basically. It's always a lot of people who apply um, for, for this this course. Um, but basically, they never had the staff to, to yeah deal with all these people, really. So they never had the time to sit down with you and tell you how to sew. You basically had to be able to sew when you started because they couldn't teach you.
0: What did you do? <laughs> um,
1: I already um, knew how to do a lot of things when I got there,
0: just by picking it up and experimenting at home yes. and reading books that you any books you could get your hands on.
1: Yes, so I already wow. did a lot by that time, and I knew how to do many things. So, um, which was good because nobody would have shown me otherwise. What they did teach um, was actually pattern making. That's uh, probably the most useful thing I learned, uh, the most valuable skill I have is I can make any pattern from scratch because I know how to. That's the most useful skill I have. Well, that sounds pretty
0: good. <laughs> I mean, if you take one thing away, that's a pretty solid one that mm, you Yeah. you use. So you finished fashion school and where did you go from
1: there? Well, I always knew i never wanted to work in fashion. Mm -hmm. I just found that incredibly boring and yeah the the dilemma for me was really I wanted to make costumes the entire time but of course they wouldn't let me um, because yeah that was not what I was studying but yeah basically throughout the entire um, time that I was in fashion school I was making costumes well period costume um, and uh, I actually worked for people private clients the entire time so that's how how I made money while I was still studying basically Wow. so I already had like a business going by the time I entered fashion school and so I never had to um go and look for jobs because I already have one so yeah that that was my my perspective really I wanted to go and have my own business and make costumes for for people
0: how long were you making costumes for private clients and they were all period style costumes, yes. mm-hmm. how long were you doing that before you discovered burlesque because you're also a burlesque performer and you make amazing costumes for burlesque performers so how, just wonder like where did that, where did those two worlds begin to meet?
1: Oh, it's actually a, a very short, um, short progression from one thing to the other because they're closely related. I, I just love period costume. I, I live and breathe costumes every day, 24 hours a day. I've been doing that the entire time for, for clients and for myself. I have a ginormous wardrobe of period costume. So all these closets here are full of period costume.
0: Oh my God, that's so exciting. And I have a
1: lot more, <laughs> a lot more than this. So, um, yeah, I mean, back when I when I bought my first pattern book, I looked at all the pictures and I thought, oh, my God, I want to be able to do this. I want to make 18th century dresses and all this stuff. I came to live here like, what, six years ago, something like that. Yeah. And. um basically i wanted to to work for for somebody else for a change i was a bit sick of of having my own business and having the whole responsibility but it was just not possible it was completely impossible for me to get a job without knowing anybody Mm. so you needed like people to recommend you um and i didn't have that i didn't know anybody so i couldn't get a job and so i had to carry on doing what i did before I don't know if you like costumes, then um, it's it's super easy to get into certain styles of costuming.
0: What made you want to move to London? Because you said you didn't really, when you were at school, you didn't really want to move to a big city to go to university, and London's one of the biggest cities in the whole world. So what changed?
1: Oh, I love London. I, I always did. When I I came here first at like sixteen, and I just felt at home and I knew I wanted to to come and live here and so um I didn't have a really good reason to come here <laughs> yeah I just saw it's now and never <laughs> it's not like I had anything exciting waiting here for me like a, a great job or anything any other exciting prospects I just wanted to do that and I did it wow
0: that's really brave
1: yeah <laughs> for someone who was scared
0: to move too far from their hometown that's Absolutely. a huge
1: leap yeah and uh if i if i consider that back then my um my university actually had connections to um fashion schools in london so it would have been possible in theory for me to go and have like a semester abroad and yeah today i'm just slapping myself because i didn't do it well, we all look back and have things we
0: regret. Mm. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't do do things the same again if I had the choice. Of course. I totally wouldn't. Of course.
0: <laughs> so how long had you been out of school before you decided to move here?
1: Graduated from fashion school in um in two thousand and five. And um oh I don't know when I came here. Like three years later or something? Mm-hmm. Two go three years. So you spent three years just making period
0: costumes for private clients yeah. and just kinda mm-hmm. Just doing that, really. Yeah. And then you came to London, with no prospects. Yep. Whatsoever. Just thinking, I just want to move. You had savings? No. <laughs> <laughs> no savings. Just thought, got to get out, and came here. Wow, that is really brave. What a, what a leap.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: pretty impressive.
1: Well, I I was lucky because um, I met my. Uh, my future husband basically and he he kind of helped me coming here so without him i don't think it would have been that easy
0: yeah so you did have some support
1: yeah but by the time i came here uh we weren't really a couple okay so we knew each other but we weren't really a couple and nobody knew if we were going to be one at any point really but yeah, it kind of worked out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that I'll say. He's lovely. <laughs> so sweet.
1: When you got to London,
0: what did you do? Because you didn't... Did you have friends here? No. You had no friends in London? No. Just this person who would later become your husband? Yes. But you were just friends with at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's just the two of you friends who just decided to upstakes and move to Did he have friends?
1: Uh, yes, he okay. uh, was already here for at least a period of four or five years when I came into the picture.
0: Okay, so how did you meet? The internet. Ah, <laughs> yes, go internet.
1: <laughs> awesome. Internet dating gone right yeah
0: because <laughs> off the back of meeting someone off the internet moving to london you've built a really impressive <laughs> career
1: <laughs> oh yay
0: romance can <laughs> happen for people that's the yes. best story <laughs> oh yay um so you moved and you were like you're just this two friends what did you do for work
1: um well i couldn't do much for at least three months because um well we we moved in together but um i basically moved into his room in in a shared house so it was just this tiny room so i couldn't even do any work there um and um in in this period of a couple of months, I would be looking for work. But the problem is if you are in my line of work, you're insanely specialized. So there isn't that many jobs available. Right. And the ones that become available, you will need connections to get them. Of course. You need recommendations. And I didn't have any of that. So I couldn't get any work at all. I applied for many things, but um, it was completely pointless. I couldn't do anything.
0: What did you end up doing? How did you start getting clients? What?
1: How long did it take? Uh, it kind of took forever. It was really, everything was terribly slow. Um, but yeah, I still had um, a couple of like international clients because I've been doing this for so long, people just knew me. Mm. So if you go to online and research something about period costume, you would inevitably come across me because I've just been doing it for so long. So um, I think I probably had My, my costuming website Since 1999
0: wow. So yeah Early internet days Yes exactly So
1: people just knew me mm-hmm. And uh, people would travel to me from, uh, from, from abroad To have stuff made by me And wow. that's what, what kept me going For a while really
0: So who was your first client in the UK and how did you get a studio and how how did this all come together because you've got such a wonderful setup now um
1: my first client in London came to me um oh that was when I it was the first flat that we moved into a real flat not just a room uh but it was an actually quite small one bed flat so my workspace was in our living room. So um yeah, not not ideal really. And this this woman came to me because I think I had probably like an, an advert um on some some platform like Gumtree or something. I every now and then I would have a free advert in there um telling people about what I do. So yeah, and that's how she got in touch with me. And she just needed like a, f- a formal evening dress made for some some occasion she had coming up. And that was my first London client.
0: <laughs> wow, so how did that turn
1: into more clients?
0: Did she recommend you to anyone or?
1: Well, I then also started working for a company that does like home dressmaking services. So I was a freelance um, dressmaker for them. Basically anything from alterations to to dressmaking and um, I would go to people's houses and um, Mm -hmm. do stuff for them. Rich people who who don't really want to go to, to the alterations shop on the corner and just don't have the time. That was quite interesting and. Um, Pretty
0: fancy lifestyle.
1: Yeah, sort of, because, well, it, it wasn't well paid. Um, alterations don't pay a lot. I hate doing alterations, really. But I, I had <laughs> to do listening, something. Don't
0: ask it to do alterations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, for costumes it's different. It's at least something interesting if you alter costumes, but yeah. not like shortening trousers and skirts and office wear. Mm-hmm. But at least it was ridiculously expensive um, office clothes that I would be altering. And I would get into people's homes where I personally felt shabby when I oh. went in because they were so filthy rich. <laughs> what what was the most
0: spectacular home that you got to see do you remember any ones that stand out Uh,
1: many actually many um I yeah every now and then I would go um to people's homes who live like around Notting Hill these beautiful townhouses and um you come in and the the appointment was made with their personal assistant and um the entire house is like filled to the to the brim with expensive paintings and insanely expensive furniture and uh yeah the cleaner is just in and doing the beautiful wood floors (laughs) like that you know and then you go into their dressing room and it's entirely full with louboutins and i don't know what (laughs) so yeah quite quite a few really impressive homes where I personally felt chubby and then I regretted wearing a sweater with a hole in it and (laughs) (laughs) things like that
0: so it's almost like Victorian still that very like (laughs) have people come and come into your incredibly stately home and do things for you I think of like wealthy Victorians you know that's that's the kind of Mm -hmm. thing that I think of I don't necessarily think of it still happening today but I I guess it must do Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely it's another world isn't it
1: totally yeah. <laughs> so yeah luxury alterations and dressmaking so for, for really rich people i normally would do um alterations rather than dressmaking and yeah the dressmaking jobs so that was more um bridal stuff were, yeah were the rich people at least
0: nice to you
1: like, oh yeah the, oh, okay. usually in my experience the richer they are the nicer they are to you
0: what That is the opposite of my experience. But then I worked in a a retail situation that's slightly different.
1: Oh, okay. No, those people were usually insanely nice to me. So that's that's quite pleasant. That's cool, though. (laughs)
0: That's a, that's, that that's kind of like I mean even if the work was boring that's quite exciting getting to see the interiors of some of these amazing houses oh, you yeah, never see Oh yeah absolutely This really is how the other, other side lives.
1: Oh yeah totally <laughs> So when did you start
0: with burlesque when did that happen In autumn
1: of 2010
0: So fairly recent then Yeah
1: Yeah just woke up with the idea one morning, Uh, went on the internet, googled it.
0: Ah, internet coming into play again. Yes. Love the
1: internet. Uh, Yeah, um, I I just immediately came up with a couple of um, schools, so I went and checked out what they offered, and um, yeah, I ended up booking a class, and I thought, well, it was like a four-week four, four week class or something like that. Um, it wasn't very expensive, so I thought, I'll, I'll just give this a go if I hate it. I never have to do it again. You just <laughs> loved it instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't
0: hate it, loved it. What, had you seen burlesque costumes before? Were they something you enjoyed making? or
1: No, actually no. Um, many people who saw burlesque will tell you that, oh, I've always been fascinated by it. No, me, I, I never, um, I didn't know much about it. Um, I don't even know how this thought first came into my head, <laughs> that I could try this. I don't know why, <laughs> And but the longer I kept going to the classes, the more I started um, researching it, and going to shows, and uh, looking at costumes, and um, I, I found this so interesting, this whole creative process of um, developing an act, and um, designing the costume that goes with it, and telling the story. So I found this so nice, really, um, that I wanted to do this.
0: Yeah. Had you seen burlesque before you thought about going to class? No. Wow. So just like, out of nowhere, you were like, yes, (laughs) burlesque sounds like a fun thing to do. Yes! I'm just gonna (laughs) type it into Google and just found yeah. this passion that you never knew you had mm-hmm.
1: absolutely i think probably but uh, i don't have have a very clear memory of this i think probably like a year or two before i went to like a a costume party thing in, in berlin or something and i think on the night there was a burlesque performance but i didn't really um notice that this was going on it didn't was going on at the other end of the room and it's not like I, I gave it much attention
0: so like it hadn't even been on your radar really like it didn't make an impression just like you just thought oh, I'll go to classes that's so interesting because I would have thought seeing your costumes you would have gone to like a spectacular show and gone oh my god those costumes are amazing I want to do that whereas actually it's almost like the yeah. other way around that you're like oh I want to try it and then from that you found burlesque costume
1: yeah um it, it's quite quite strange really how how I came came up with this in the first place but um I hadn't been here for that long um and it was only just roughly around that time that I discovered that London is full of um costume parties and that people love dressing up for parties. Yeah. And uh, if, if, you, if you go on the, the tube in a, in a weird costume, nobody will even look at you because it's just so common. Everybody does it. Have you ever
0: been to Camden Town?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Because people I, I love that.
0: dressing up just to go to Camden Town. Like, oh, yeah. I,
1: I did it as as a teenager.
0: Yeah.
1: But really, at that sort of time, I only discovered all these beautiful costume parties that we have here like regularly, like um, white mischief and yeah. stuff like that. So I went there and I was like, what the hell? Why didn't I know about this? And I bet you looked amazing because you made yourself an incredible costume. I went in uh, huge, ridiculous Victorian silk dresses to oh. these parties and uh, i had a blast doing it
0: <laughs> and i bet with well, it they were completely period accurate with like oh, yeah. the corset underneath <laughs> yes. and the hoop skirts the and whole the whole shebang oh everything god you're practically making draw. i love all this stuff i'm such a i'm particularly victorian clothes i'm a real geek like, oh I yeah love me too <laughs> something about corsets well cross over to burlesque who doesn't love corsets and yes. burlesque uh-huh. very weird people probably don't love them but. so how long did you go to classes before you started making costuming or was it immediate were there girls there who were like oh you make costumes make one for me
1: or um well I think I started classes um probably around November or something and um I graduated in um, April the following year so um that was the first time that I was like Forced to think about making a costume for an act because I was supposed to be in the in the graduation show, so, so I had to come up with something. And that was the first time I I really thought about this whole um, yeah, this whole process of putting a costume together that serves a function. So before I had only been doing costumes that were um, yeah, build up in a certain way but meant to look nice from the outside, not underneath so yeah. yeah I knew all that these principles but stuff underneath hadn't didn't have to be that nice really nobody would ever see it <laughs>
0: yeah and also the idea that it it has to come off
1: yes in a nice looking way mm-hmm. a
0: lot of people I saw a discussion recently on the internet about how a lot of people don't want to go to fashion uh, outfit makers mm. for burlesque costuming because they don't understand that things have to come off.
1: Yes. Uh
0: huh. And they don't understand how to make it easy to remove or beautiful mm-hmm. to remove. So they'll they'd much rather go to a costume maker they trust. Mm-hmm. It's quite a niche thing. Oh yeah. As well. Um, you've really cornered your niches there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two incredibly niche, very accurate historical period costume and incredible burlesque costuming. Yes. That's wonderful. <laughs>
1: So, yeah I just I just loved the costumes um I started researching it for my my first act and um what, what was your first act do you still do act? it no no I, I no longer do it because I've just outgrown it but I still have the costume of course I kept it and uh I had this idea um because I loved um this whole idea of, of Victorian circus performers I love the the old pictures and posters and um, old photographs um, and I loved their costumes so I knew I wanted to be a Victorian circus performer and um, so I designed um, yeah a costume in, in that style really. Um, I researched it forever and took a really really long time. Oh my God. I put myself under, under a lot of oh. pressure for this which was completely inappropriate really but I made it really awful for myself <laughs> the, the whole pressure I put on oh. on myself was just oh, ridiculous thing. so yeah um I didn't feel good about it because I, I just made it worse for me it was me doing this really yeah. nobody else but the the closer I got to the graduation day the 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 more I felt I probably didn't want to do it so I was like this close to not doing it <laughs> and um yeah, so I had done all this, and I showed up um, on the day to the to the show, and I I was physically sick. I I thought, okay, if I just go home right now, well, what does it matter? Nobody's gonna gonna notice, you know. I can just walk away. No. <laughs> I was really thinking about it. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, um, but in the end, I um. I had a drink uh, picked myself up and I just went and did it I probably did not really enjoy it because of all the nerves I felt horrible and um yeah well it was a good atmosphere everybody's super cheerful and supportive and um but I felt I felt awful It's amazing though that
0: again, just like moving to London and taking this huge dive, you're like, you know what, I'm just gonna do it, I'm just gonna go on stage, even though I feel horrible, just like yes, <laughs> just went for it, just dive straight in. Also Nobody saw my face during when you were talking about Victorian circus, but I was going nuts. I was like, "That's amazing!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm a total circus freak. I
1: love circus, particularly vintage circus. So I'm really a sucker for all this. I can look at pictures um, of, of um, circus performers forever. I just love it. Oh my god! So beautiful and inspiring. Okay. So when when
0: you debuted your costume at your show, did the other girls there notice? That
1: your costume um, was incredible? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well yeah I mean there, there were a couple of girls who made a lot of effort for the costume or who had it made um, especially for this stuff like that and yeah of course um, yeah, the other the other half that just buys a set of random lingerie <laughs> and shows up in that so yeah um, you could see the difference of course. But then again, it's my job. I do that full-time. So, of course, my my costume would have been different. And the whole major fun was for me making and putting together this costume. So, yeah, of course you yeah. could could kind of see it. Did did you get any interest in
0: uh, pe- you making costumes for other people after that
1: show? Um well, a couple of people asked me about, but yeah, not that much really. Um But yeah, I mean, it takes a really long time to put yourself out there and to make people notice you.
0: This is true. So, how did you, so you did your first show,
1: Mm -hmm. and you
0: had a horrible time, Yes. Emotionally, (laughs) had a great time making the costume and researching the costume, but had an absolutely horrible time performing. Yes. What made you want to perform again? So I came
1: off stage, and I was so awfully glad it was over. Um, My my husband asked me, so um, are you going to do this again? And I said, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I just don't know. So, um, yeah, and I mean, performing at the graduation show is is something completely different than, you know, performing at a public show where there's random people and uh, you're booked to do it. So I found that sort of a bit frightening. And so that was... In April 2011 and I didn't perform again until probably about August of the same year and um, but in between I just immediately started working on a second act that I still perform today. Which one was that? Um, it's the 18th century fan dance <laughs> Beautiful. and again I just wanted to do this huge costume um, and still at that time my costumes they were a bit different from what i make today because i was still coming from um my period costuming angle so um yeah because imperial costume you're so restricted you can only use um collars and fabrics and uh, trims that are appropriate for the period that you're working with because otherwise it's just going to look wrong and uh, all of a sudden, I was able to do whatever I liked. I could buy all the materials I wanted. I could buy all the shiny things. <laughs> I could go completely mental. Um, but yeah, my my first and my second act, I was still holding a bit back because I was still viewing things from that perspective. So it was still more minimalistic than what I do today. So I was holding back on, on the sparkles. which i i wouldn't do again today so for that costume i made i made a capital mistake i made a huge 18th century dress out of silk which is not good if it's used on stage because it's getting tossed on the floor all the time so yeah i still have it um I've I've still been performing in, in, in this original costume, but you can see its age now. It's just used up.
0: You need something that's gonna last. That's gonna have a bit of yeah be able to withstand. Mm-hmm.
1: If I still want to perform the act, I have to replace the costume. Yeah. <laughs> Would you think about doing that? Yeah, I I do. I really love the act. Um, and. It's my oldest app now, so that means I've had a long, 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 long time to, to perfect it and it, it's got so many makeovers, I changed so many things about it, and now it's like in, in a state where I really, really enjoy performing it. So I would like to keep performing it, but I have to, to replace this costume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so when did you start making burlesque
1: costumes for other people? can't can't even say right now what was the first thing that I made for somebody else but yeah I I enjoyed it so much making stuff for myself that yeah it was just an, like an organic process of making that for other people
0: did you find that you made any mistakes with burlesque costume in the early days well with your personal beautiful costume made of silk that got thrown on the yes. floor <laughs> Because stage kittens have to do things very fast. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they have to pick up lots of pieces of costume. Yes, so they can't really be delicate with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, did you find you made any mistakes when you were, like making for other people?
1: Uh, no, not that much anymore. Because by that time, I had already done lots of things for myself that I learned from. Yeah. Um, and also, well, making making stuff for me and for other people has has taught me so much. So. I, I wouldn't ever reject any, any project that is like experimental because I just want to find out how to do things. So yeah, I've already learned a lot through making stuff for other people. I tell them before that I don't really know um, what I'm doing <laughs> if, if there's a situation where something is very experimental and I will only reject a project if it involves skills that I just don't have. Like if people want something like armor or stuff that goes beyond sewing and more into crafting, that's what I'm not going to attempt because I know I don't have these skills. Yeah, for
0: sure. When you started performing, so you had a horrible time in your first show, second show went a bit better. Yes. And then you were like, yeah, I want to keep doing this.
1: Yeah, kind of. uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I enjoyed the second show a lot more. Um, I felt much more comfortable. And yeah, well, it was a show that was uh, put on by by friends. So yeah, I felt much, much better about being there and doing this, (laughs) so yeah.
0: It's so funny, because I've actually found this. When you're performing in front of people who are doing the same thing that you do, like other burlesque performers, or for me in front of other belly dancers, I get so much more nervous. It's terrifying. You think they know all the things. They know oh, yeah. They know what I'm doing. They know whether I'm yes. good or not. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're in front of a generic audience, particularly in this country, when people see belly dance, they have no idea what they're looking at.
1: Yeah. You could mm-hmm. go
0: out and shake it in the most imprecise, sloppy way, and people will still scream their heads oh, off. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a certain amount of security in that. But then, when you perform in front of your peers, it's a different situation. So I can understand why you would feel more comfortable in front of people who maybe don't aren't burlesque performers. Well,
1: yeah, um, at the time, it was friends who had uh, that I knew from um, the the classes. So people who were in the same place as me who only mm. had just started doing it. So that was alright oh, okay. then. Okay,
0: that's fine. No pros in the audience. No, then. no. <laughs> When did you start making other acts and really getting out there?
1: I from from that point on I just kept um getting new ideas for acts I wanted to to make and it usually would begin with um a costume that I really really wanted to make. So I would see like um a, a picture of something I liked or watch a movie or something like that. And just get inspired and want to make something. What's been your favourite costume you've made so far? My favourite I've made. Now I can't say I love them all. (laughs) (laughs) My favourite, I I couldn't really say. I have many favourites. I've really enjoyed making
0: all of them. What era inspires you the most? Or what do you find yourself constantly going back to as a theme?
1: Both in burlesque and in... uh, my my day job as a period costume maker i would have basically the same favorites so um i pretty much love everything from 18th century going up to about 1930s and anything before or after that doesn't really interest me a lot at the moment, I'm all about 1910, really. So, uh, teens era is like all, all around me at the moment. Like this costume here behind me, I would happily sit around in a Poiré dress every day, lounge on a sofa, and Flowers sip cocktails. <Yeah>
0: sounds fabulous. Let's do that. (laughs) I (laughs) would. What are we doing all this work thing for? It's rubbish. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What's been your biggest, most spectacular costume you've made for someone that involved the most work? You don't have to say the client. I'm just just so curious.
1: Um, a a really rather small costume that involved a lot of work was um, was a costume that I made, what, like at the beginning of the year or something. Uh, and actually it was like a, a little bodysuit that was supposed to have removable panels. And underneath you would have like little arrows that pop up. Oh my so, goodness. Yeah, because it was um, a, a Cupid theme. Ah. So... Um, that was very experimental and although it was such a tiny garment it involved so much work. So much work. And at the beginning I wasn't even sure I was gonna be able to pull it off. But yeah. Worked out in the end.
0: Wow. <laughs> That's intense.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that almost like went beyond my my dressmaking skills because yeah, it's really it, close to crafting. Yeah, it involved it involved things that just go beyond sewing, really.
0: Oh, yeah. Some kind of s- No, there's something for me that's so magic about making costumes. Mm-hmm. Because, probably because I also have no idea really how to do it. Like, I sew my own dance bras, but I sew all that by hand, and that's about mm-hmm. it. Like, my idea of making, mys- making myself a skirt is tucking some fabric into my belt. <laughs> I'm really hoping that the crappy <laughs> stitches I put into it are going to hold for the, um, for the five minutes I'm on stage. <laughs> I don't know how it all comes together. Um, do you ever see people's costumes and just go, "Oh my god, what are they, what are they doing?" Yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that quite a lot.
0: Have you ever have you ever seen one where everyone else thought it was amazing and you were like, "That was terrible"? Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, unfortunately. I um I can also tell um if somebody is wearing something um like ready made, just bought off the peg um and they haven't done anything to it oh i hate that so like um what what really is one of my pet hates is when performers buy 30 pound corsets and don't do anything to them to customize yes. them and so you have um an off-the-pack corset that is badly fitted and that everybody will immediately recognize where you bought it there, there was one corset for some period of time i apologize if anybody has this corset in their wardrobe right now? <laughs> this 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 terrible cheap corset with um, the the stripy fabric
0: right. that
1: comes in like dark jewel tones like yeah. burgundy and green and black. So it was like narrow stripes and like um, a, a flowery brocade top, everybody had this I for think some I know time. Exactly which one you mean? It's like it's a really cheap corset. It's badly fitted, and people wear this on stage without doing anything to it.
0: Yeah, I. For fashion, have worn corsets that have not been very expensive. Yes. But recently I tried on a proper corset that was made by someone who knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. and the difference was phenomenal. Yes. And the price difference was not. The price difference between the 30-40 pound ones I've been trying on and the 60 pound one I tried on, like it's 20 extra quid, right? Yes. Uh-huh. But the fit the way it felt, how comfortable it was, mm-hmm. and the way it looked, I was shocked. I was like, what have I been doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, but what I don't understand is if I see somebody, no matter if it's a performer or like somebody who just dressed up for the evening or something, it doesn't matter. I wonder if they just don't see that they are wearing a badly fitted corset that looks cheap and makes them not look good because it just doesn't fit. It's worth it
0: saving that you know 20 30 extra pounds yeah waiting absolutely until you have that money and investing in something that you wear because also it's just not comfortable
1: no no of course not it's just not like
0: (laughs) you know with a good corset you're not going to feel uncomfortable unless you wear it for like eight ten hours absolutely Mm -hmm. you should feel comfortable in it which was a revelation to me. I thought they were made to be uncomfortable,
1: <laughs> but apparently no. not.
0: <laughs> no, 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 they're not. <laughs> yeah, and they're so beautiful as well. And they look bad, It's so sad. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you've been making costumes for so many years now, and you, like, looking at all these dresses surrounding me, I'm just like an absolute awe. All the sparkly things, and but you also you don't just perform and make costumes. You've also been producing a show yes how have you found that what made you want to produce
1: um well in the beginning it was just mainly because um well so i had only just like graduated basically that same year and um i found it hard to to get any any uh, bookings at all because you were just new and people didn't really want to give you a chance and so i yeah i just saw the the need and because i'm a person who always rather does things than talking about them i just went and made my own show <laughs> did you, so, but how did you finance that i didn't there was zero budget basically <laughs> so uh, we we got in touch with like um a, a local venue like Ten minutes down the road, they had a lovely stage and everything. So yeah, I I hired that room. Basically, I did have to pay a bit for this, but uh, it wasn't that much. So it was. How much was
0: it ballpark?
1: I think it was probably around a hundred quid. Did you make that back on ticket sales? Yes. Oh, cool. So yeah, that was all right.
0: That's great. So you just covered your costs and yeah. it was a show for mainly newbies?
1: Yeah. Great. Yeah, like the people that I um met in in the courses before. <laughs> yeah.
0: What have you learned from producing then that you maybe didn't expect?
1: Well, it's not always been fun. Um, <laughs> and um there's there's no money to 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 be made in this. <laughs> Absolutely not. But we never Did it to to earn anything from it? Really, we did it for fun. I can't say I learned any valuable life lessons from it, but (laughs) (laughs) but it it made me find ways how to pull through in difficult situations. It's good though; it
0: does teach you a lot about managing. Oh yeah. People. Mm Mhm. And it's so nice that you created like a space for people who are new to try things. Yes. And it was really popular. You were running it for a while, weren't you?
1: Yeah, for about two years. And it was called Odelia's Opium
0: Den. Miss Odelia's yes. Opium Den. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun.
1: A lot of fun. Yeah, well, it, it always was a very like community-driven show. And we always had like, um, like a sleepover feeling. Yeah. So very friendly, very supportive, very positive. I hear through the grapevine uh that
0: the opium den is back because you had to stop doing it just what i mean what were your reasons for stopping?
1: well just basically um we had our last show um last year at Halloween, and uh yeah, basically we had to 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 stop doing it for a number of reasons well the the venue we had at the time was nice, it worked for us um like size wise and It it looked good, had nice facilities for us, decent stage. Um, But yeah, they kind of didn't offer us any kind of support. So they would not put up any posters for our show. And I mean, if you don't tell your local crowd, who are you going to tell about it? Yeah, it was nice, but we wanted them to support us. And if you do things like not even putting up a poster, Putting on rivaling events on the ground floor, um, or sometimes even putting up on your website advertising a completely different event um, which was then a mistake, but nobody was willing to correct it, so yeah, those are things that I just can't deal with, so the venue has to give you at least a little bit of support yeah, of course, because otherwise you don't get people through the door um. I don't have the the kind of money to put into advertising my show and um, I also don't know billions of people who are willing to do me favors in promoting my show. Of course. So yeah, there were many nights where we were performing to ourselves really. Oh. So that's sad and also you have to apologize to the performers for this all the time. Um, that's just a really awful yeah, situation to, to it is. be in. And it it was really getting to us.
0: Because well, it's not very community spirit and your show is all about community spirit. Yes. Not just the burlesque community, but like also like giving a fun event to the community around yes, you. Absolutely. And if, if there's a venue that it, you would think is the hub of the community, you'd think they want to support that because mm-hmm. people I mean, there's a lot of it around, but people really like burlesque. It's probably why there's a lot of it around.
1: Yes, absolutely. But yeah, it was so hard to get people through the door, and it's kind of just not cool to go and see a show in West London. Well, South London's more interesting for that kind of thing, I think. <laughs> so this yeah, which sense. is where we're where we're going now, basically.
0: Woo-hoo! Yay! So tell me about the the return of the Opium Den.
1: Well, basically, um, we we really, like really started missing it, and I I remember um, the day when we actually like. I had to officially tell people we're not going to do it anymore. Um, everybody was like really genuinely sad and disappointed yeah, about it. It's
0: burlesque performers love it, and like yes. performers love having a safe space to try new yes. stuff. New Absolutely. people and veterans who have acts they're not sure about yet and don't want to get paid for mm-hmm. them because they don't think they're good enough. But so you took a break, yes. But you've decided to bring it back Did you was that because you found
1: a new venue or because people were asking, or both, both actually. Um people kept asking us about it and really every now and then, um, like completely randomly, uh people would um would like post a, a picture of themselves um that was taken at our show um just completely r- randomly and, and write a comment um oh look this, this was taken at the Opium Den. Um it's such a shame that the show is gone I miss it. So yeah, this was happening frequently, and um, so it, we, we, we started just putting the idea out there. My husband and I, we started talking about it, and I said, oh, I really wished we could find a way to, to bring the show back. I really miss it. And um, he said, well, yeah, we only have to find like, a venue that works for us, really.
0: The venue is the Montague Arms, and it's in yes. New Cross. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, um, basically, what I heard about the venue is that, yeah, it does look a bit dodgy from the outside. It's your typical um, Victorian um, traditional pub from the outside. Oh, my
0: God, that sounds perfect for you. (laughs) But apparently, on the
1: inside, it used to be a rather quirky Place with yeah. lots and lots of weird things inside. Very much so. And um, <laughs>
0: remember from having a drink there. <laughs> it was cool. It was bizarre, but it was cool.
1: So yeah, it. it I think it used to be quite a community hub, really. Um, and yeah, we we got there to to see it, and we really liked it. Um, and we thought this could work for us. Yeah,
0: amazing. So we're actually
1: running over time,
0: but final question first which is what is the best thing that's happened to you on stage and what is the worst thing that's happened to you on stage
1: well the best thing that happened to me on stage probably I I can probably th- say that uh, when I did um, world burlesque games last year um, that was was a really really great experience for me to be On stage because I was performing to a a sold out house where every single person came to see me do this. So everybody was super supportive. So, yeah, one of the bestest moments, probably. Awesome. So far. <laughs> that sounds
0: lovely though. It's nice to feel supported on stage. It's one of the best feelings.
1: And me, I usually, um, I tend to run off quickly <laughs> after my performance, but oh. that one time I would just stand there and enjoy it for a second and yeah. then go. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. You've got to take your bow. Yes. Um, what about
1: the worst?
0: The worst. Um you said you had a good story, but you weren't sure you wanted to tell that. I'm thing. not sure I wanted to tell that in involves <laughs>
1: blood. <laughs> oh my
0: god,
1: it's really embarrassing, actually.
0: Oh no! Oh, that what that Oh god! Yes, totally. <laughs> oh, all the women listening to this are just like, no, cringe worthy. Oh yeah, it could have
1: been me. you know, like when you when you're um doing floor work and um which is like basically when you um really like I, kneeling it, on the floor and leaning back and like yes and i don't know if you if you do fan dancing yourself no i've never tried it okay so when um when you do all the classic fan moves so one of them is like um this one where you uh, go on the floor and your your entire body is like enclosed in the fence like in a shell yes and uh, it's beautiful. So, yeah, you, you you pull in your knees and you're like completely hidden inside the fans and you open them out and you stretch out your legs and uh, you do this beautiful goddess pose. Um, so that's a classic fan move. And uh, the moment you are completely crouched into the fans, that's the only moment that you basically have where nobody sees you and where you can quickly look down on yourself and check your costume. And then when you have that... Cringeworthy moment where you detect blood on your legs. Oh my god!
0: Awful. What? What did you do?
1: It was so cringeworthy.
0: What did you do? What color was your costume?
1: Nude. Oh no! It wasn't even black. Mm-hmm. Oh, you poor thing. It was horrible. What did you do? <laughs> uh, well, nothing. Thank God. This this uh, happened like rather to, towards the end of the act. Oh. So. And thank God, on that particular day, it was a shit gig where hardly anyone showed up. I think like probably four people were in the audience. And uh, so the room was basically empty. And those, those four or five girls that showed up sat all together on one table, like very far away from the stage. So they couldn't really see me up close. Well, and you had fans as well.
0: You I had fans as yourself. well, yes. Did you, did you change your choreography? A little bit to hide yourself? Yes, a, yeah. tiny uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> a tiny bit. A tiny bit. Oh that's not. None of that. You know the you know the post where the Belless Lancer be- like stands at the back of the audience and like bends over like her like her fans a big tail, like shows yeah. everyone that mm-hmm. pop? didn't happen, I'm sure. Not not anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, no. <my> goodness. <laughs> oh that was awful, awful, awful. And uh, equally awful is when you're on stage and um, your music skips. That's pretty bad.
0: Well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. It's been so much fun. And Thanks for having me. learned so much about <laughs> the intricacies of costume. And also, like, you have serious balls. You're like, I'm just going to do it. It's incredible. Like, I'm just going to move to London. I'm just going to do burlesque. I'm just going to start producing a show. Like, yeah. It's well, so impressive. Like, it's, it's
1: what I do today. I never did it when I was younger. So I kind of regretted lots of things. And I got into the habit where I thought that, it's the most awful thing having to live with regretting what you haven't done. So today I will always do the things I want to do rather than just talking about it.
0: That's such a great philosophy <laughs> I have. I love it. So I want to know two things. Where can people find you on the internet? And also tell me all the dates for the return of the Opium Den. So yes. people know where to come see the show.
1: So people can find me... Um, can find my website um, under odeliaopium.co.uk. Um, and uh, the Opium Den is um, on Facebook, of course. Um, so, if they search on Facebook for Odilia's, Miss
0: Odelia's Opium Den, is it?
1: It's Miss at the
0: beginning. If search for the page, it's Miss Odelia's Opium Den.
1: Yes, cool. it is. Um, and yeah, the Opium Den returns um, as a fundraiser for uh, cats protection on the 6th of September at the Monte Arms in New Cross. And I will be putting links to all these places on the blog.
0: Do you have a Twitter?
1: Uh, no. It? no. <laughs> Just Facebook? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, amazing. I can't wait for the show. It's going to be so good. Yes. I hope, <laughs> I hope this venue works out because it seems like the kind of place it would suit you
1: i honestly hope that because we we really want to bring back the show and have it running regularly so yeah fingers crossed yeah well again
0: thank you so much and audience thank you so much for listening i've been rosie cole you can find me all over the internet you can find me at rosiecole.com you can find me at facebook.com forward slash rosie dancer you can find me on twitter At Rosie underscore Cole. And if you have any suggestions, comments, questions, people you'd like to see on the podcast, please, please send me an email at rosycoldancer at gmail.com. I love your feedback. Thank you again so much for listening. Have a great evening.